Good morning. Um, as Simon said, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Claire. I'm often to be found jumping around with children, um, but not this morning, which is lovely. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, when Simon gave me this passage to preach on, he suggested that it should be called Body Talk. So this could be interesting. Um, here are some body facts to get us going. Did you know that your mouth produces about one litre of saliva every day? Did you know that an adult's blood vessels could circle the equator approximately four times? That you lose four kilograms of skin cells every year? Your entire skin is replaced more or less every month. And that the average human body contains about 30 trillion cells and is host to about 39 trillion bacteria. Now, I know how many medics there are in the room today, so I'm going to stop there, and you can tell me afterwards the bits I've already got wrong. But suffice to say that our bodies are amazing things. I am no athlete, and, but I, when I look at the facts, I have to admit that even my body is a little bit amazing. We don't have to be able to perform athletic or gymnastic feats. We don't have to be coordinated or dexterous. With all the bits that each of us has that don't work properly or don't look like we'd like them to, and with all the scars and stories of the past that our bodies carry, we can still say that our bodies are amazing things. In the reading that Anne and Alex and Zoe brought to us earlier, we heard about how Paul uses this image of the body to describe the church. It's an image he uses several times in his letters. And it probably is actually one of those examples of Paul using popular culture at the time to describe the church. Menenius Agrippa, who had been a Roman leader in about 500 BC, was popularly believed to have used this image of a body to stop a rebellion. And the Roman writer Livy had written about this just before Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians. We know from other places that Paul was brilliant at using the culture around him to describe the truths of the kingdom. It's highly likely that this is an example of the same thing. And Paul tells us that we are all part of that one body of Christ, no matter what our individual role is. Each one of us whether we're hands, feet, eyes, ears, we're all equally part of the human body and we're all equally part of the body of Christ, the church. When we work in the power of the Spirit, then we act as the body of Christ on a really important level. We are Jesus' hands and feet in the world today. We are his eyes and his ears. We are the body of Christ in a really practical way as well as in an abstract way. So far, so straightforward. This picture of the church as a human body is pretty familiar to us. Paul describes it this way um, in his letters to the Romans, the Ephesians, the Colossians, as well as here in Corinthians. We use this image in the liturgy of Holy Communion when we say, though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. But I think there is a lot here to challenge us if we dig a little deeper. If it was as straightforward as all that, Paul wouldn't have spent so much time writing about it as an image. So it's worth us spending a little bit more time in this passage too. I was asked a question recently that made me feel deeply uncomfortable. I was asked to describe the kind of person I find it hardest to get on with. Well, 
my instinct as a well-trained, nice Christian was to waffle on about how everyone is made in the image of God and we're all equally important. Now, we all know that that is true. But unless we acknowledge that whilst we know it is true, we don't always feel it to be true. And even if we feel it to be true, we can be pretty awful at behaving as if it's true. We will never attain the model of unity that Paul is describing. So, what kind of person do you find it hardest to get on with? Do you shy away from a conversation with the homeless person on the street corner? Or do you run a mile from having to make small talk with the posh-voiced person in a tweed jacket in front of you at Winchester Market? Do you look at the small child sitting next to you in church with horror and wonder when the children are going to go to their groups? Or do you wonder what on earth to say to the older person who looks like they would love a chat? Do you relish the opportunity to find out about a far-flung part of the world? Or do your toes curl with embarrassment at the prospect of having to overcome a language barrier? Do you find it hard to relate to someone who isn't also a Christian? Or do you secretly feel a bit disheartened because it seems like you just don't get it right enough of the time to fit in at church? For each of us, there will be a different scenario that fills us with horror, but by recognizing who it is that makes us feel uncomfortable and why, we can go some of the way to seeing that person through God's eyes, recognizing the unique contribution that person makes, understanding how we've been enriched by knowing them, however briefly, and therefore genuinely valuing them as part of this complex, messy, wonderful body. Many of you will know Kerry Murphy. She's an amazing member of this church whose smile can light up any room. Kerry has a real gift for falling into conversation with people and leaving both their lives truly enriched as a result. The other week, Kerry popped into M&S in the middle of Winchester to buy her dinner. She noticed that the guy who served her on the checkout had a tattoo on his arm. Now, I would quite possibly notice that too, but I wouldn't say anything because I'm just too English. Kerry, though, asked him what it meant. This led him to explain to her all about his history of addiction and about how he's now sober and he's rebuilding his life after taking part in a rehab program. They had a fantastic, meaningful conversation that left both of them enriched and both able to value the other person far more deeply than if they just exchanged a few pleasantries while he scanned her shopping. There are so many lessons I can draw from this. The importance of taking risks, in this case, asking a question that might have sounded a little intrusive. The importance of being alive to the fact that everyone has a story to tell, bubbling just below the surface. The importance of not being too busy to stop and take time in the everydayness of our lives. These are all areas where I'm tempted to feel inadequate. I'm tempted to feel as if I fall far short of the example set by Kerry. But I also have to accept that I'm much less likely to have this experience than Kerry just because of who we are as people, because of who God has made me to be. This may be an area where I need to ask for grace. Maybe I need to ask for God's help to become a bit braver. But I wonder too, if I also need to stop trying to be a part of this body that I'm not. Paul tells us very clearly 
that every part of the body is equally important. We need all the components for it to work as it was intended. I can only welcome others genuinely and open-heartedly and really value them for who God has made them to be if I'm also totally secure in who God has made me to be. Rather than looking at the way God has gifted Kerry and feeling I should be able to do that too, maybe I should just give thanks that God put Kerry exactly where he needed her that afternoon and instead focus on discovering what my part of the body is. What is it that God has called me to do and to be? As some of you know, I have recently been selected to start training for ordination. Leading up to the final selection process, there's a long phase called the discernment phase, where I worked with a number of godly people to try to discern the exact nature of God's calling on my life. For a long time during this phase, I really struggled with the idea that God might be calling me, me, to ordained ministry. I look at someone like Kerry, and indeed so many others of you in the room this morning, and I see so much of what the church needs in an ordained minister. I found it hard to see what God might be calling me to. As Paul puts it, I felt that because I'm not an I, I wasn't worthy to be part of the body, or at least not in that way. But Paul goes on to say in verse 18, in fact, God has placed all the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It has taken me a long time to trust that that's true. Indeed, I'm still working on it, really. But we can rest secure on that truth. God has placed each one of us just as he wants us to be. God has placed you just as he wants you to be. Of course, that doesn't mean that we don't continue to try to develop a more Christ-like character throughout our lives. It doesn't mean that we don't sometimes need to make drastic changes to our lives. We might do. But it does mean that God has created each one of us with our unique gifts and callings to carry out unique tasks in the places where he has placed us. We may never, in this life at least, fully understand the impact we have had. But there are tasks that each of us is uniquely created and placed to carry out. The smallest bone in our body is in our middle ear, but without it, we wouldn't be able to hear clearly. You have between 60,000 and 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. As well as having unique fingerprints, you also have a unique tongue print. Your brain has approximately 100 billion nerve cells. Our bodies are amazing, fascinating things with so many different components working together to enable us to do all the things we do. But whether we are like that tiny unseen bone in the middle ear or one of those nerve cells in the brain, whether we are a show-offy upfront mouth or a hidden gland deep inside the abdomen, We are each vital to the proper functioning of the body of Christ. Without you, placed where you are placed, this body, this church, doesn't work. Without you, there are jobs that cannot be done as well as you would do them. Without you, there are people who will not feel welcomed or understood or at home here. Whatever your skills and gifts are, Whatever your weaknesses and failings, whatever your insecurities and fragilities, 
there is a place in this body that is uniquely yours. Wherever you've come from, whatever you've got wrong in the past, whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, there is a place in this body that is uniquely yours. And for this body, this church, to work properly, we need you. And if we believe that about ourselves, we can start to believe it about everyone else too. The person who you think talks too much, or the person who can't make eye contact as you chat, placed in the body just as God wants them to be. The person who's struggling with their physical or mental health, where you just don't know the right thing to say, placed in the body just as God wants them to be. The person whose background or home life you think falls short of the Christian ideal, placed in the body just as God wants them to be. The person who doesn't articulate their faith in a way you can recognize, placed in the body just as God wants them to be. That person who makes you feel uncomfortable, who you just can't see eye to eye with, placed in the body just as God wants them to be. Of course, that doesn't mean there aren't times we might need to challenge people about their lifestyles or their choices or their beliefs, but we need to do it from a place of being all part of the same body, all a work in progress, all vital to the body's survival, all equally valued and used by God. Paul says in verse 26 that when we have achieved this level of unity, when we truly value every member of the body equally by trusting that God has uniquely placed each one of us just as he wants us to be, then we will all suffer when another part of our body suffers and we will all rejoice when another part of the body is honoured. If we honestly see ourselves as part of one body with all the church, no matter where we come from, what we look like, how we worship, when we honestly value each and every part of that body as uniquely placed and called by God, then instead of secretly thinking that someone else deserves the hard times they're going through, or feeling jealous of the praise or blessings someone else is experiencing, we will, as Paul says, suffer with those who suffer and rejoice with those who are honoured. In an article recently, the Archbishop of Canterbury said that we need to define ourselves by what we are a part of and not by what we are against. We are a much more attractive and effective body when we define ourselves as being part of this great international, multi-generational body of Christ than when we define ourselves by disagreeing with or being different to other parts of the body. If we honestly suffer when others suffer and rejoice when they are honoured, then we've reached a point of maturity in Christ where we're not threatened by what's happening to those around us, but we are secure in the different and equally important roles we each have to play in the church. It's a point where I can celebrate Kerry's gift of conversation instead of feeling that I should be gifted in the same way. So this week, I wonder if we might set ourselves a few challenges, and these are challenges just as much for me as they might be for you. Firstly, I'm going to pray about that particular place where God has placed me, asking for his guidance and for it to become clear which part of the body he means me to be at this time. Secondly, I'm going to think again about who it is that makes me uncomfortable and why. 
And I'm going to look for what it is that that person contributes to the body. And I'm going to pray for them. Thirdly, I'm going to go out of my way to make contact with someone I wouldn't normally have contact with. I'll be honest, for me, that might not be a total stranger. But maybe with enough prayer, and if I follow God's leading, it will be. And finally, I'll be praying for each and every one of us here that we trust that God has placed us just as he wants us to be and that we come to know the unique contribution that we each have to make to this complex, messy, wonderful body that Jesus has called to do his work here on earth. Amen.